Amen, church. We are here, and it is a good day, and I'm thankful for what God is doing. And the Lord said, let there be light. Then there was light. Uh, we, again, I, I, we changed it up a little bit just to help me transition some. I, I've been in growth track this morning uh, and then came over and led worship. Now we get the privilege of proclaiming God's word to you. If you haven't been to growth track, as we saw in the announcements, we encourage you to be part of that. If you want to get up right now and head over there, I know they're coming up even. They're, they're concluding the time 401, but I'm telling you, uh, I said this to the first service last week, uh, but if you don't want to listen to me preach, this is a perfect excuse right now, okay? You got it. Going once, going twice, you get up and you walk out. I'll just assume you're going to growth track and you can go get that, that, that early seat at whatever restaurant we're going to be eating lunch. But if you're not moving right now, then we are going to continue work looking at God's Word. I feel like this section right here, we need to work on these chair positions. Like y'all are staring at that piano and everything. We're going to have to come all the way over to the edge of the stage for y'all. But if, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter 3. Uh, I'm going to continue looking at the book of Philippians. I've had a chance, any, any chance I've gotten over the last couple months to systematically just walk through the book of Philippians. Pastor Toby will be back next week to continue his series on the family. But I love what God is showing us in the book of Philippians, and I just can't get past the truth that we're, that we're exploring, that we're looking at in this, because I believe what's happening in the church is God is bringing the church back to its first love. God is bringing the church back to that understanding that the credentials that we need have already been given. Now, what do I mean when I say the word credentials? If, if, you've, uh, if you're in a, any kind of position, if you're working any kind of job, uh, there, there's a point where you have to be qualified for that job. Many of us, uh, how many of you have completed four years? of college. Anybody four years? Anybody go out on and complete, you know, mass, complete uh, graduate school, all that good stuff. You got eight years and 12 years. I knew a guy that once spent 13 years in school. He came out with two, two bachelors, one master's, and he, he said he was, a, uh, he was a jack of all trades, but a master of none type thing. It was one of those things. But if you were to look at it, we look at credentials and we look at qualifications and we, we get this idea that we have to have a certain understanding. For any job, there are these requirements or qualifications. And the problem is, is that we carry these over into our relationship with Jesus. We carry this mindset that if we just have certain qualifications, if we just have certain requirements or we meet certain levels, then, then we're going to be able to be used by God even more. We're going to be able to be used by God once we achieve this particular point. And it, we carry this mindset throughout all of life. We carry it within our family. We carry it within, we, we start out at a young age. One of the main things a lot of times we look at are, are sports, okay? We just, uh, we just tackle the topic right now. Sports are one of those things. You know, I was one of those kids that played uh, Little League Baseball, okay? I was one that went out for tryouts. And when I got out there, they said, they said, son, what are you here for? I don't know. My grandpa told me to come out here, so I'm here to, I guess, try out for baseball. And you know what they did? They looked at me. They judged me based on my qualifications and said, you're going to go play right field. Y'all know, know what I'm talking about. If you know anything about baseball, right field is that position that's like, you know what? We're just going to put them out there in right field. So it's like, all right, Henry, go out there in right field. I go out there in right field. And they're like, Henry, turn around. Okay, turn around. Okay, now what do I do, coach? 
And they're like, no, turn around halfway. Okay. Oh, hey, guys. And, and, you know, I was not good at baseball. I'm just telling you right now. Uh, It was one of those things. My papa uh, believed that I was going to be the next. uh, See, and that's the thing. I can't even quote a baseball player's name. I'm just telling you right now. He offered to pay me $250 just to try out. My dad said no uh, because I think, one, he wanted me to keep pursuing football, and then, two, he knew he didn't want me to be embarrassed, okay? It was just going to be that bad, okay? But it's one of those things, we have these qualifications, and so my, my papa took me out, and he wanted me to meet these certain things, so we would go out, we would practice. And my sister, the problem, the really bad problem was my sister was a softball star, okay? She started in eighth grade on the varsity team. She made all state four years in a row uh, as pitcher and catcher. She was one of the only ca- catchers uh, in the region that could make the pitcher duck and the ball not skip. Uh, she actually got, she went to college on an academic scholarship and was asked to play, and she said no because it wasn't part of her scholarship, but she was amazing at it. And so it's one of those things, we'd go out and play in the, in the yard, and she would just show me up. I mean, it's one of those things, she had the, that, that what, I don't even, even know how to do it. You know, it's like she'd slap her glove on, and come, to, come around a pitch, and like, I'm ducking and, and running. That's all, because all I know, nobody wants, I don't know why they call it a soft ball. There's nothing soft about that uh, t- 11, 12-inch, 13-inch ball coming at your head at 70 miles an hour. That's not fun. But he, he wanted his best to get me. To, to qualify me to play. And so many of us, we have this mindset, we've got to meet certain qualifications. We've got to meet certain expectations. So uh, sports has adapted the, the, the slogan, eat, sleep, breathe, whatever. Eat, sleep, breathe. I eat, sleep, breathe, football. I eat, sleep, breathe, softball. I eat, sleep, breathe, band. Without the band, it's only a game. That's all I'm saying. I eat, sleep, breathe, whatever. And many of us today could fulfill, could fill in that slogan or that mindset of with, with our life and ultimately with our relationship with Jesus Christ. We have this mindset that if we just eat, sleep, breathe something, then we will have arrived. And I want us to see what Paul says in Philippians chapter 3 and addresses this mindset because we're looking for a qualification, an achievement, a personal quality, or an aspect of a person's background typically when used to indicate that they are suitable for something. That's the definition of a credential. And in the Christian life, in the Christian walk, we're trying our best to to indicate that we're suitable for this life with our works, with our raising, with whatever, when Jesus has a different mindset that we need to grasp. And I hope that we grasp it this morning. The takeaway that I want us to get if, we, if anything, if there's nothing else we touch on, if there's nothing else you walk away with, understand this, write this down. We can either gain to lose or we can lose to gain. We can either gain to lose or we can lose to gain. Uh, Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. It says, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Verse 2, look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Now check out the credentials that Paul lists for his claim to be part of the family, to be qualified to represent Jesus based on what he's done. 
says, verse 5, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But, verse 7, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings becoming like him in, the, in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Father, we pray right now that you would be glorified. Jesus, your name would be proclaimed in Holy Spirit, that you would have freedom to work in your people. God, to draw us into that relationship, to continue growing that relationship, and bring us to the understanding of what we have already gained in you, God. The life that we are called to live now, trusting, hoping, rejoicing, shouting the work and the name of Jesus. It's not about us. It's all about you this morning. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want us to look at a couple things as we see Paul declaring to the people in Philippians because I believe we can all kind of meet and understand where Paul has been. We could all probably look at what Paul has done and say, yeah, that's, that's kind of right where I'm at. He looks and he's coming through his, his book in Philippians and we just looked at in the end of chapter 2 the idea that if anyone can come to Christ, then anyone can go with Christ. But oftentimes what happens is when we try to go with Christ, we either feel like we are qualified for a work that we're really not qualified for, or we think that we're not qualified to do anything, and we have to reach a certain potential. We have to meet a certain standard, and a lot of times that is fed by lies within us. That's what's happening in the church at Philippi, and what's happening in this passage as Paul transitioned. He says, look at verse 1, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. Who are we to rejoice in? He puts the focus right off the bat that it's someone other than us. See, when we're talking about qualifications, the first thing we start doing is we start seeing what it is that we can do, what it is that we can bring to the table, what it is that we have the ability to do, or we start looking and saying, well, I'm, you know what, I can't do that, I can't, I can't. And Paul says, look, rejoice, Here, here's what I want you to understand, before anything, I want you to rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. I've said it many times, I'm going to say it again, you're going to eventually figure out, I got one message for you, and that is look to Jesus. I got one message for you, that hope in Jesus. I got one message for you, that is Jesus Christ. You figure that out, you're eventually going to go there, be like, hey, we need somebody else, Henry keeps preaching the same message. I heard Tony Evans one time preach the same message 18 times, till finally someone came to him and said, Pastor Tony, when are you going to preach another message? And he looked right at him and said, when y'all start doing the first message that I preached, okay? I'm not necessarily saying that with us, but I am saying that if, any, if we were to narrow it all down and we were to simplify, I'm telling you, the simplest way to do that is to just simply say it's Jesus. 
What about Jesus? What is it that Jesus desires for us? What is it that, that we need to hear from Jesus? What is it that we need to know about this understanding and this relationship that God is calling us to? Well, first thing, we have to look out for something. He says in verse 2, look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Look out for these people, for we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. Anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Paul wants us to understand, you have to know that in that time, as the gospel was being presented, see, we're looking at first century church, understand that first and foremost. So often we hear the message of the Word of God and we get this mindset that, that Paul is speaking to us. Paul is actually speaking to the first century church and a lot of these things are new to these people. These followers, these are followers of the way. They've never, they've just now, some of these may have just given their life to Christ for the first time. This church is just now starting out. And there was also this mindset that walked in that as the gospel of Jesus was proclaimed, the followers of Judaism and the followers of the Jewish people didn't like this message. They didn't like this idea, and they thought this message was heretical. It was a heresy. It was false. It was wrong. Nobody needed to, the idea that we don't have to do these things, but Jesus has already done it. Wait a minute. That You mean I don't have to go and do all this? And see, what, we happen, what happens there and what happens in churches today is we have the mindset that it's Jesus plus something. Jesus plus something. It may be Jesus plus our family. For many of us, it may be Jesus plus our service to the church. It may be Jesus plus my daily devotion time or my works that I've done and trust. Jesus plus, and here's the thing you need to understand, Jesus plus anything equals nothing. And Jesus plus nothing equals everything. See, these people, as they walked into the church, as they came into the church in Philippi, their heartbeat was to say, Paul, that's great message. We're thankful for Jesus, but the people really got to get circumcised. He's preaching to Gentiles. These were foreigners. They did not follow the customs of the Jewish people. And so they, the, the Judaizers was a group that would come into a church after it had been established and start saying, well, you know, that's a great idea, but let me tell you how we've always done it. Let me tell you how, 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 we, how we've done how you need to do it. And they would start putting these requirements. They start putting the main requirement to be a Jew, which was in the evidence of being a Jew, which was circumcision. And Paul says, look, these people that do these things, these evildoers, look out for the dogs. Understand, there, there's, there's usage and there's points in what Paul, in the words Paul uses. You know what the word dog was referred to by the Jewish people? To the Gentiles. And you know what Paul is doing, talking to the Gentiles? He's referring to the Jews as dogs now. He's turning the tables on them. And he's saying, look, these people that think they have the credentials, these people that think they're gaining something, beware. Look out. Look out for these people because we are the circumcision, those who worship by the Spirit and glory in the name of Jesus Christ. 
And Paul wants, to, wants people to understand. I want us to help us understand what Paul is, is declaring in this because we have to see the fact that, that if anybody, what he come, finally comes to in verse number 4, he says, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Paul declares to the church and tells them, hey, if these people think they've got it figured out, let me tell you something, if anybody has reason to boast in what they've done, it's me. Paul says, if anybody has reason to boast in the works that they've done, it is I. Do we do that? Have you ever put confidence in the flesh? Have you ever put confidence in what you're doing? Have you ever been confidence in the hope that we're building? And Paul says, look, if I don't need to do it, then you don't. Look at the credentials that he lists there. If anyone's background mattered, it was Paul's. A couple things. Look at verse 5. It says, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel. All right, these people want to talk about circumcision. He's like, look, I followed it on the eighth day. Circumcised of the tribe of Benjamin, of the people of Israel. He had the heritage. He had the prestige. He had the prestige of following and walking in obedience. He had the heritage of being of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. Look what he says, as to the law, education. As to the law, a Pharisee. You know what a Pharisee was? A Pharisee was a teacher's pet at that point. Okay, We talk about education. Pharisee was the one that had it all. They, they had moved beyond. The, the, the Jewish people, the Jewish boys, they, they would grow up learning the, about the Old Testament. That was their school. I mean, you have to understand when he declares, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you, you teach your children to obey this, putting it before them daily. That was how they learned. And the Pharisees were the people that had made it all the way through. So you see, we, you had to start out. What you started out doing was learning the first five books. You would learn the first five books in the school, in the Jewish school for, for, for boys. They would actually learn and memorize the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Genesis alone, 50 chapters. Anybody ever memorized 50 chapters of Scripture? Though in Exodus in there, you've got another 40, you're already sitting at 90 chapters of Scripture. Leviticus, if you've ever even made it through reading Leviticus, then you are doing great because there's just one of those things. Leviticus is that, is that you got to push through that book sometimes. I'm just telling you. There's just, you got to do this, the whole law, you, know, you got this law, this law, this law. And I'm just like, God, come on, help me out here. You're skimming through it by the, by the time you're just like, mm. they had to memorize it. And 170, and you still got two more books. Then they were brought before the teachers, and they were they had to quote it. They had to they had to rehearse this memorization. They had to tell. They had to show their knowledge on it. If they made it through there, they moved from the first five books to the rest of the Old Testament: Psalms, Prophets, Proverbs, prophetic writings. They didn't have to memorize all that, but they had to be so well known that when they came back to be grilled, they stood before the priest and they had to answer question upon question upon question upon question until finally they were deemed worthy or not worthy. Their credentials were measured out. Paul says, my credential measured out. He wasn't just a, a disciple of a Pharisee. He was a Pharisee. 
He made it through. A Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, verse 6, persecutor of the church. See, many of us, we got, we've got education, we've got the prestige, we've got the heritage, but we're lacking passion. You may have been raised in church. You know the stories. You know the Bible stories. You've been trained. You, you saw the flanograph, and some of the students go, what's a flanograph? It's this big felt board that they came up and sticked people on it, and they eventually fell off. Anybody, anybody remember the flanographs? Okay, that's what I'm talking about right there. We need to reinstate the flanographs. That's what I'm saying. I'm going to have one up here one time just to illustrate it. But that, I mean, it's one of those things. You, these people, you may know all these stories. You remember all the stories and everything, but we're not really passionate about it. Paul says, no, look, zeal, passion. I was ready to kill people for this. I was persecuting the church. I was on my way to deliver a letter when Jesus met me for an entire area to be put in prison. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to, okay, if there's anything else, this one is, is crazy. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. Anybody in here ready to declare that they've been blameless? Righteousness simply means right living. So he's saying, as to living right under the law, blameless. And he says, but. I love the word but in Scripture. I love seeing that because that means there's a transition about to happen. There's something that's getting ready to change that says, hey, all this stuff, all this stuff, doesn't matter. Why? Because. But God. Ephesians chapter 2, one of the greatest times you see and read that three-letter word. We're dead in our trespasses, lost, prisoners to the air, and the prince of this world, but God, rich in mercy. And Paul says here, but whatever gain I had, whatever gain I had, I count as lost. Whatever things that we had, whatever prestige, whatever heritage, we had education, we had passion, we had zeal, we had righteousness, whatever things that I thought I had gained, whatever I was storing up to try to bring before God and say, God, here I am, here's my qualifications, I count them as loss. Why? For the sake of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. Accounted as loss for the sake of Christ. Define that word sake. It simply means to the end, to the purpose. Why did Paul gather all these things? Why did Paul gather up his prestige? Why did, God, did Paul gather up all of his qualifications and say that I count them as lost? Because the purpose was not his qualifications. The purpose was Jesus Christ. And if we're pursuing our qualifications... If we're pursuing our credentials, if we're trying to gain, then we're going to lose. But Paul says, I was willing to lose so that I may gain. You see, you know why it's so hard for us sometimes to proclaim the name of Jesus? Because we start, that be, there's a good chance we're looking at our credentials or we're looking at our life. We're trying to build a life around our ideas, our end, our purpose. And Paul says, whatever 
gain I had, I counted as loss. All that stuff in the past, it doesn't matter. Indeed, verse 8, I count everything as loss. Every, I, I don't just count my past, I count everything, no matter what it is, as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and counted them as rubbish. Now we need to define that. You know, I love saying that word, rubbish. Everybody say rubbish with me. Rubbish. You got to say it really fast. Rubbish. Ready? One, two, three. Rubbish. Something about that word, right? It's a great word. Let me tell you what that word means. Some translations define that word as garbage. You know, so we could fill that in. We could take that and say, okay, I get what Paul's saying. For, the, for his sake, I have counted the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. So all my qualifications, I count them as garbage. They're trash. They're, no, they're pointless. I don't need, but there's actually even further understanding of this word rubbish. Basically, to put it point blank, it means poop. My son... And turning three next month, and I am praying to an omniscient and all-powerful God that, that when he hits that three-year-old mark, that he becomes potty trained all of a sudden. I've, 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 I've brought that to the throne of God. You know why? Because that boy can fill up a diaper. It was one of those things, we just got back from vacation, and as we were leaving, we, it was one of those things he decided it was his time. You can see he has this face, I'm just telling you. And, and it's one of those things, people are like, your kids are going to be so, I don't care, I don't care. Because so embarrassed you're talking about it. Yeah, it's okay. We all do as parents. But he has this face that you're like, Hudson, you're pooping, ain't you? He's like. And I'm just telling you, okay, the kid can make a guy proud because <laughs> he stunk up that room. It was one of those things, I changed them, I put it in a bag, one of those scented bags, you know what I'm talking about? Like you're waving the bag, trying to get the scent to circle, circulate around the room. I put it in there, we set it outside. Kayla, uh, okay, I forgot something in the room. Kayla went back to get it, and she's like, Henry, that room still stinks. 30 minutes later. And you know what Paul is saying in this passage? It's as if you took all your accomplishments, all our credentials, put them in a bag and carried them around. He says, I count everything as rubbish. You know what that means? That means our motto, eat, sleep, breathe. If it's not Jesus, we might as well pile it up in a bag. But you know what joy, what, what the good news about that is? You know what that means for each of us? Because, because if it's not of the purpose of Christ, then it's going to amount and equal and decay and be nothing but a pile of mess. And the joy is, is guess what? Jesus takes our mess and gives us his, his perfection. You know why Paul gathered up his credentials, his accomplishments? And let me tell you, Paul wasn't just boasting in his accomplishments. I believe there's argument to say when he says everything, because he, he, he clarifies. Look at verse 7 again. He says, whatever gain I had. So we have the accomplishments there. Whatever gain I had, I counted as lost for the sake of Christ. So it would be easy for us to say, take your accomplishments. Let me encourage you and tell you, look at the next verse. He says, behold, I count everything. As loss. He clarified and said gain, so accomplishments, but then he comes back and says everything. So you know what that means? 
your accomplishments or your failures. Your accomplishments, your hopes, your dreams, or your regrets, your past, your failures, your fallings. He says, I count everything as loss for the sake of knowing Christ. In order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. See, some of us, I would fear and believe that we would say, Henry, but, I, but I'm doing all these things, Henry. I'm serving, I'm serving in the church. I, I'm leading my family. I'm doing, I, I'm, work, I'm doing well in my job, and I, I'm proclaiming Christ. But let me tell you, if it's not for the end or the purpose, for the sake of Christ, Paul says it's all counted as rubbish. It's all counted as loss. So if you're working to try to gain Christ, I'm telling you, you will lose in the end. But you know what the joy is? The joy is also that if you're sitting there today and saying, you know what, Henry, I just can't do it. Henry, I can't. I've tried to have a quiet time and it's just not working. I've tried my best and I keep going back. I keep falling. I'm, I'm, I, I earnestly desire to have deliverance from this. I earnestly desire to have an understanding and trusting and walking. I want to follow him, but I just can't. I keep falling. Let me tell you something. Paul says, I count everything is lost your achievements, and your failures for the sake of knowing Christ. Your past, whether good or bad, does not matter when you start pursuing after Jesus Christ. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. He casts our sins as far as the east is from the west. He draws us into a relationship. Why? So that we can lose all these things in order to gain. So there is a cost with following Jesus. Following Jesus always costs us something. That's why he says, I have to give these things up. I have to give up these things. I have to suffer the loss of all things. I have to count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Many of us think that and hope that we can add Jesus as one of many, and Jesus wants to be your one and only. And I'm telling you, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that we declare Jesus as gain and everything else is lost and say, God, my family, it's not mine anymore. It's yours. God, my job, it's not mine anymore. It's yours. God, my struggles, my failures, my temptations, my... It's not mine, it's yours. I'm, I'm giving, I'm losing everything. I want to lose so that I can gain. But following Jesus always costs something, but in the end it's always better. To be found in Jesus is to be seen by God as Jesus sees us. Not us. Not as we see us. So what is it today? What is it that we've got to give up? What is it that we're holding on to, whether it's an accomplishment or whether it's a failure? What is it that we're clinging to saying, no, I've got to have this. If I let go of this, if I lose this, I lose everything. And Jesus says, exactly. Maybe it's just that argument with your spouse. Or maybe it's that argument with your parent. Maybe it's that battle at your work. Maybe it's that secret that no one else knows about. You're saying, Henry, if I, if I let go of that, what am I else am I going to have? You're going to have Jesus, according to the Scripture. 
And let me tell you, friend, Jesus is better. The beauty of it is, is that when it's all said and done, we have the opportunity to either boast of ourselves or we boast of Christ. Now, we would never argue on that. We would never sit there and say, well, Henry, I'm not, of course it's about, well, what does it look like in our lives? Time of response or time of interaction right now and you responding to the Spirit. The question is, I'm not asking some big theological response or big hypothetical response. Are you willing to die? No, I'm asking, are you willing to give up whatever it is you're clinging to most in order to sit? for the sake of knowing Christ. For some of us, that's going to be giving up control. Maybe it's control of our family. Maybe it's control of our circumstances. Maybe it's control of something that we have absolutely no control over. And God is saying, give it up. God is saying, lose so you can gain. For some of us, it may be a failure. It may be a sin, it may be a regret, it may be, it may be a past, something in our past. You know what God is saying? Give it up and gain me. So I would invite you as a band comes forward to, and they're in this time right now. We took the offering up already. I want this time to be just strictly a time of us responding to whatever it is the Spirit of God has for us. The great thing is, is that again, Paul's achievements or his failures, neither of them mattered. What mattered was that Jesus was Lord of his life. John chapter 8. There's a story of a woman who is brought in the morning when Jesus is at the temple and the woman had been caught in a pretty Pretty tough situation. Been caught in sin. It wasn't one of those things where sin was found out. She was believed to be caught in the act of committing adultery. And the leaders bring her, leaders bring her to Jesus as he's in the temple, cast her before Jesus, and says, The law declares that we should stone this woman. The law declares that we should take her life. What do you say, Jesus? We know the credentials of this woman. We know what she is capable of. We know where she stands. Her requirements, her qualifications, good or bad, have been brought out to be seen by everyone. What do you think we should do, Jesus? I love Jesus' response. Verse 5, verse 6. They say this to test him that they might have some charge to bring against him. And Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at him. There's debate over what Jesus is writing. I don't want to, I mean, my, my heartbeat is not to be conjecture into scriptures, but I could just imagine some of the things he might have been. Could it be that Jesus may have been kneeling down and writing the Pharisees' credentials? Could it be that he was bending down and writing their achievements? 
When I say achievements, the fact that they were as whitewashed tombs as he declared them as brutal vipers, as he had said they were ones that were causing people to be twice the son of hell that they were. Could it be that he's writing down what they're trying to gain? And Jesus says, if you think you've got it, if you think you've gained it, then go ahead and throw the stone. When they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up, catch this, dear church. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Has no one judged you on your qualifications? Has no one judged you on that point? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Catch this, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. You know what she lost? She lost everything in that moment, and she gained everything in that moment. She lost her reputation. She lost. Everything was brought out. And you know what the greatest thing about it? It was the greatest thing that could ever happen to her because she walked in victory after an encounter with Jesus. Why? Because she lost herself. She gained Christ. Unfortunately, the Pharisees were trying to gain themselves, and they lost Christ. So every head bowed, every eye closed. My question is, what is it that we're clinging to? What is it that we need to trust in? What is it that we need to look at and that declares and says, God, I've got this to bring to the table. God, unfortunately, this is on the table. God, I, ho I hope that this never gets revealed on the table. Whatever it is, we need to understand that we either gain to lose or we can lose today to gain. So I'm inviting you, if you're a believer, if you have put your hope and your trust in Jesus, to examine yourself, to ask the Spirit of God, God, where am I? What am I clinging to? Am I clinging to you or am I clinging to something else? If, if it's anything other than Jesus, repent and believe in Jesus. If you're not a follower of Jesus, then I'm telling you right now, He is the greatest thing, the greatest hope. He is, the, he is far more greater than anything you could ever imagine. And you have been called today to trust and gain Christ. How do you do that? You confess your sins. You trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior. You thank Him for your forgiveness and you give your life saying, I'm ready to follow Jesus. You follow Him with everything you got. Don't just add Him, add him to it. Don't just try to gain Jesus and keep what you have. Jesus says, according to Paul, I lost everything and I gained everything. I lost many things, but I gained something greater. I lost everything, but I gained Jesus. So that I can know Him. I can walk with Him. I can live with Him and I can die for Him. Those who desire to gain their life will lose it. Those who desire to lose their life pray and then we're going to stand and we're going to sing and I'm encouraging you if there's anything, if there's something that you're struggling with, if you're battling with this understanding, if you're battling and wrestling with something in your life that you're trying your best to cling to and the Spirit of God is saying give that up then give it up today grab somebody, come down front pray, ask somebody to come pray for you we have got to be the church together walk with Jesus together and we walk together in this life.
If you need prayer, I'll be over here off to the side. We'll be glad to talk with you, be glad to share. If you need to trust in Jesus, if you've never done that, come talk with me. If you've never surrendered your life to him and said, you are Lord of my life, let's do that. Let's take care of that today. Whatever it is, respond, walk in obedience. Father, we love you and we proclaim the name of Jesus over this place right now. We know that at the name of Jesus, there is power at the name of Jesus. Everything will be washed away. Everything will be thrown to the side. All of our gains, all of our achievements, all of our failures, all of our struggles, all of our regrets, everything will be thrown and cast away. And it will be just you and us. God, and I pray that today we would see that, we would have that understanding, we'd have that experience right now, that we would stand before you, God. And if there is something we're clinging to, maybe it's us, maybe it's something else, maybe it's a situation, whatever it is, God, may we surrender and lose that in order to gain hope, in order to gain peace, in order to gain Christ. We love you. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would have freedom right now to work and to move in your church, in your people, and to bring this kingdom about. We love you. We declare and bless your name today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. Let's sing. If you need to respond anyway, you walk in obedience. Trust in him.